the competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussion with the best players on the planet. Your hosts, Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John Damaris, and this week we're doing something a little bit different. We normally like to interview people that win events, and this week we have none other than the one and only John Lennon, who won the Dallas Open this week, but he did it with Jukari, and nobody wants to hear about that. So what we're gonna do <laughs> so what we're gonna do this week is we invited a special guest, Peter the Falcon, is gonna come help us break down the meta stats about Jukari, and then in episode two, we're going to talk about how to beat him. Well, maybe not how to beat him, but at least how to be more competitive in the games with him. How does that sound to you guys? Just peachy. Just the best. Okay. Just Uh, love it. Let's do it. (laughs) You know, I don't think John needs much of an introduction, and honestly, Peter, I don't think you do either, so we can probably just get into this. I welcome you both to the show. We're excited to have you both here. I mean, obviously, we'll probably start with just a little bit of a recap from John about his, because I mean, what, you had to win, what, eight games to win the Dallas Open, John, in a row? That is correct. It was, in fact, an eight-round event, but I did pull off all eight games. So, uh, yeah, uh, there there were there was quite a bit, and I was definitely tired by the end of it. Okay, I had so- to play like at least three turns a game with Dark Eldar. Since it appears by the stats that the best matchup into Jukari is Jukari, how were those mirror matches? Uh, as a matter of fact, I was actually able to almost completely dodge them. I only played a single mirror match with my Drukari. Um, by pure luck and providence there, I uh, let you know Mark Hurdle do all the dirty work in beating those Drukari players. And uh, I kind of dodged them. Um, but the mirror match that I did play ended up being brutal. Um, it's certainly not a massive surprise to say that Drukari is the best army into Drukari. But I gotta say, you know, that's not really one that you practice much because, well, we didn't really have two Drukari armies for most of this. Um, so when you actually just get it on the table, it, it became rough and wild very quickly. Very okay. much a think on your feet adaptive kind of game. Understood. So let's let's talk about a little bit about that so people sort of understand what parts of Drukari we think are are OP, as it were. Um, I'm sure Peter can break down some of these stats for us. Peter, I don't know if you want to just give people an overview of how Jukari are performing in the meta so that there's no argument about their their being a little too good right now. Yeah, sure. So um, I think the big thing here with Jukari is like their numbers are, are very similar to what we saw out of um, Iron Hands uh, in before their first nerf. Um, they, at a GT level, they're sitting at a 70.7% win rate over the four weeks that they've been in play. Um, they've won, I believe now two majors, five GTs of the 11 or so that, uh, have happened, uh, 12 or 13, I think actually, um, multiple top fours in the events that they, even the ones they haven't won, um, their their T whip their tournaments in winning position. This is a, a stat that uh, tracks like how frequently they get to the fourth or fifth game, uh, the fifth game of a tournament with before they suffer their first loss. Um, their percentage now is into the forties. Um, so forty percent of all lists that make it to that fifth game are Jukari lists right now, um, without a loss. So like they are they are tip top notch and. Um, 
this is all backed up by further by um, the ITC Battle App data, which tracks you know practice games, smaller RTT games, etc. Whoever wants to use it, um, which has Drukari at about a seventy-one to seventy-two percent win rate and a seventy-three point five um, when you remove the mirror. Um, so, and that seventy-three point five is matched also in the the GT the GT data. So they are they're definitely like head and shoulders above anything else in the game. Um, if anybody happened to have checked out the Goonhammer article that uh, Richard Siegler and I helped uh, pen, um, we kind of touched on some things like how compared to Harlequins and Sisters of Battle, which had been kind of the two top performing factions uh, previous to that, this, like they are as much better uh, than Harlequins and Sisters um, as Harlequins and Sisters are better than Gene Steeler cults in terms of raw performance. Um so that, like they they are definitely at like at a whole other level right now. All right, well let's talk about that for a second, right? Just so everybody's level set, w- would it be fair to say Peter that if the game was balanced perfectly, every army would have a 50% win rate? Is that what we'd be looking for? I mean, uh, yes, but that's almost impossible. Um in the- I, underst- I understand that, yeah. but but we would say a range of at the high end 60% and the low end 40%, we would call that a pretty healthy meta. I I would say the healthiest, and we've seen this before, so like it is achievable. The healthiest we've seen is about a between a forty-five and a fifty-five. Sixty is just a little bit too high. Once you get to that fifty-five percent mark, um, you're already kind of seeing problematic builds in a particular fashion. Um, like the best we've ever seen, we did have a, a pretty strong period um, before Space Marines 2.0 where most factions, not all, but like the vast majority, were between about a 47 and a 53, which is kind of like the ideal spot. So we had, you know, 10 or 15 factions that were performing at a level where they could reliably top four or even win a GT. Yeah. And so now um, what's happening with Drakari, and and John, I'd like you to chime in to see if you you feel this way too, since you, you have sort of the catbird seat. Um, they're going to suppress a lot of other armies because there's a lot of armies that just can't compete with them. And you're going to see more and more good players playing Drakari because they're going to be like, well, if you can't beat them, join them, which is just going to exacerbate the stats problem. Would you agree? Yeah, so there is definitely a point where you know the best players start playing Drakari. And the same thing happened with Iron Hands, where a lot of people tried to combat Iron Hands and even more people just played Iron Hands and worried about the mirror, which was a much easier problem to solve because then it was about 50-50. Um, I think that um, one of the, you know, I guess one of the problems here is that not as many people own Drukari, and with uh, the current COVID situation, not as many people can get Drukari. So I say problem, this is a problem for the meta chasers, this isn't actually a bad thing. Um, But there's still plenty of Drukari armies out there, so everyone has to worry about playing Drukari, but not everyone gets to solve that problem by playing with them. And so I, I... there are a lot of factions that I think are going to really struggle and be pushed out, but everyone's going to have to find their solution, whatever it may be. And maybe I'm going to play my Drukari. That was my answer to my great shame. Um, but if you don't have that as an option, everyone's going to have to be looking for other answers. And that's where this is going to get a lot more interesting because what everyone's answers are is going to change the meta. Mm-hmm. Every army is changing in one way or another. If you're not changing, you're just trying to play into Drukari as you were. And very few people can do that. That is actually kind of interesting from a game theory perspective, right? Because 
if everybody changes their builds to beat Drakari, which I'm not saying that's possible, but if everybody makes adjustments to make their matchup against Drakari better, and if we find some boogeymen, because there are some some like weird outlier lists that actually beat the tar out of Drakari, like uh, uh, that Beast of Nurgle list that we talked about a couple weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely turbo stomped Nick. And if if it turbo stomps Nick, it's going to beat a lot of Drakari players, I feel like. Um uh, um, and so my question to you guys, both of you guys, one from Peter's perspective, obviously you have the stats perspective and John, you have the pro players perspective. Do you think the meta is going to move? Is it going to move Jakari's win percentage down or are the, are the Jakari players going to hone their list such that they're going to get so much better that it moves it up? Like Iron Hands actually got a little better for a short period of time until the nerf hit, right? Because... Everybody, everybody was gunning for them, but they just couldn't do anything. The Iron Hands lists got better. Mm-hmm. Like Broviathan was gross, mm-hmm. and it was a a big jump forward in technology in that list. What do you guys expect to happen with the Drakari? I expect their win rate to stay right about where it is for a while. Um, what I'm thinking is that at a certain point, we're going to get to where Drakari are not getting as many tournament like uh, they're not going to get the dominance across like one through five you know uh, to cite a very specific example of what happened this weekend i'm hoping we get to a point where that's not what happens because more people gain the ability to knock them off but their overall win rate i don't think is going to change much yeah um if you just want to look at past historicals for any uh, faction or like uh, a driving list because we've had like the castellan we had uh, the caladius grav tank kind of leaf blower lists um like all of them kind of went along the same pattern of they had this big spike where they showed up they they dominated the meta or they appeared because something else was removed um People did try to tech for them if they if they felt they were going to play into them, but like you said, it doesn't matter. Um, the, like the Drakari players are getting better at the same rate that people are trying to find answers, um, and we saw that with Iron Hands where they would have these slight dips after like an FAQ, like the first Iron Hands errata, of course, hit them pretty hard, and you can look in the data and see like there's a, a one or two week drop where they go from a seventy five percent win rate down to like a sixty. Um, but then really another week later and they're already back into like the 65 range and they sit at that, uh, which is also an un- unhealthy number for months. Right. And then we have LVO come, Roviathan comes, and then it's like an 80% win rate again, because that list is, was absolutely disgusting. And like, it wasn't just at LVO. We saw it at CanCon that same weekend, the same list was created, was, you know, was played. And for a couple of weeks after until the, the big March FAQ for Space Marines, uh, like basically completely killed it. Um, and we've seen that in the past with everything else, like the Castellan would take a hit, um, some kind of nerf, or people would be like, okay, well, I'm just going to take three Smash Captains. But then the Castellan list just also took three Smash Captains. And it kind of, like, there would be these kind of these dips and changes, but overall it stays pretty steady. I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped to like a 68 and they stayed at that for until something is introduced to the meta that, that shocks them out. Like that'd be well, my, my, my bet. Until, until GW like changes some things. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. From your guys's perspective, what is it that makes Jukari so overpowering? I guess overpowering is maybe a little bit of hyperbole, but a, a good deal better than the rest of the meta. I don't think it's one thing, you know, like there, there's a lot of hot button topics and I, I think you can do a couple things. But for me, it's the fact that Drukhari does just about everything to some degree. Like, you know, 
there there have been armies that did really well but never had like the universal success like i thought white scars at points in you know uh, early ninth edition were super good just super super good but they didn't have everything they didn't have fight first and fight last so there were always tricky matchups where you know white scars were very good but you know i really was never excited about playing space Wolves because they had all of the tools that i didn't even if i you know i had tools that they didn't as well um drukari feel like they just have everything to some level like there's no part of the game where they don't where they just don't play with you here's my my frustration with drukari um and i've played a lot of like a surprising number of practice games into drukari because there was people here that were getting ready for the dallas open to play drukari so that's just what everybody was playing and, and some very good players. And my frustration is I always felt like I could not effectively peace trade with them because all their stuff felt like it did too much damage for its points. And because it was in Raiders and because it was so fast, like they always got to sort of set the engagement with me. And so they decided the peace trades. And so it was just like, Oh look, this 85 point character is killing my 135 point character. Like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's not a lot I can do about it because I can't, I, you know, it's just difficult to, because of their raw speed, and then you know, yeah, you know, and you and you can even extrapolate that to other things, right? Like a unit of five incubi come in, and they just smash something. I mean, just obliter obliterate something that costs like 160 points, no problem. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, you kill them, but you can't peace trade, and the, and they're so fast too that you can't even play like a conservative game because they'll just steal pr- primary points off of you by, you know, touching objectives with objectives secured that you don't have on there or, or just sending like a unit, uh, uh, a raider full of racks to blow you up and then touch it with something else or, or whatever the case may be. Like they can always, they can always take primary away from you on every turn. It seems like no problem where it's more difficult for you because if you overcommit, number one, raiders take a lot to kill and, they just obliterate anything that gets close to them. Mm-hmm. I I agree. Um, when I, I and I think a big problem with this is something I actually talked about before the Drukari Codex was leaked or came out, etc. Um, on a podcast was I think they were going to be very hard to balance because um, they want to be they want them to be GW being the they here a glass cannon right they, and they've always kind of been that um, in my past experience playing Drakari it was always like neither of us had very models left on the board when the game was done like, it was just like a bloodbath always um, and so I feel like there was this this need to give them some kind of protection and the protection's just too much um, so. Like while we could say that most of these units that are being taken are, are undercosted, and I do think that's that's true. I think like the big bad, other than like some of the crazy rules interactions, is is the raider. When you compare the raider to literally anything else in the game that does anything similar, it's just it's probably thirty or forty points undercosted for what it does. Um, and, and like that alone is a big, big factor um, for a lot of these lists. Is you know that extra layer of protection. So you can't just blow away the witches or the incubi inside before they get to you, or like you don't get to pick your battles, right? Um, and they they always get to. Yeah, that that is that absolutely has to be a part of it. Um, Drukari does dictate the match, and you know it feels like even the people who are trying to react to Drukari are exactly that. It's always reactive, and it's <laughs> very hard to be proactive against Drukari. And I've seen people pull it off, but it's very hard to do it for five turns in a row. I've seen a lot of people start off proactive, and the the script just gets flipped a turn or two later than average. 
And that's well, kind of how I felt in a lot of my games. Here's 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 what happens. I mean, you tell me if this is crazy, right? But basically what happens is you're like, okay, I'm going to kill a raider so I can open up and then kill what's inside. But anything that kills a raider, like because the raiders are always hiding, if it's a savvy Jakari player, like you're overextending to get a hold of the raider and then to get a hold of what's inside. So if you try to be proactive, whatever you set out there is just going to die. And it's never like a reasonable exchange on your side of it because their stuff is so cheap. Mm-hmm. You're just it's just does does doesn't work that way. And so you're like, okay, I'm gonna play reactive. And then you play the reactive game and then they just steal all your primary points from you. And so you're like in this really hard catch twenty two where I think it's gonna require people to redesign their lists to play a reactive game that you where you don't give up a lot of primary somehow. <laughs> and that's that's the game plan, I think, to play in Drakari. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, that is a really hard, you know, bar to set. Because, um, like, that, that's just not how most armies have approached the addition. Um, you know, like, pending pending changes to Drakari, because, you know, obviously that could fix the problem, but we're not going to know that until it happens. Um, pending changes to Drakari, I mean, I think that people need to stop trying to beat them at their own game. If I'm being honest, because that feels unwinnable, mm-hmm. and I think you need to out extreme them to some extent, where some armies, you know, like Death Guard, can actually be too tough for them to kill. And mm-hmm. you know, can your Death Guard army do that? I don't know. You know, can you still play the mission while doing that? But I think you have to start there. Now, don't they struggle to kill things like that are toughness eight? So, like, could knights give them a hard time if they sort of came back? I know they haven't been great you, you at ninth edition. Yeah, you, know, you need to extreme beat them at something. And then also still play the game with them is the biggest thing. So um, knights can out-extreme them to where, yeah, honestly, Dukari don't kill knights particularly efficiently, but they can still do decent damage into them. And the big problem is, can you do this while also, you know, we're going to have a decent game on the scoreboard? That's where this becomes a much more interesting question. Um, You know, maybe not. So instead, you have to, you know, maybe try something like a Telemon, where a Telemon is similarly very hard for dark lances and such to kill but actually you can soup an army behind it or you know even with pure custodies maybe uh still score points with them that's where that gets a little harder to manage because you need to do both you know you can either try to kill drukari so fast that you win the game or you can try to outlast them but if you outlast their you know well above average damage output you need to still be scoring points while you do otherwise it doesn't matter and we've started to see that with the lists that are like the few lists that seem to be holding their own. Um, this is, seems to be like the most successful way to do it is to, if you have an army that can go into this hard skew of objective secured models um, that can actually survive until at least round three or round four, um, like you'll, th- these are the lists that are, are beating Drukari or at least making it an, ex- an intensely close game. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, if you get enough intensely close games, they're going to start losing some of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's my hope, at least. Um, so, you know, who can actually do that is the biggest question. And also, I, I think it's going to require a certain amount of player discipline to actually pull it off. Yes. You know, it, it's not just, you know, you need to stare in the face of, you know, the Raider Rush and not blink is a big part of it, if that's yeah. what they do to you. And- and it's something that I've I've heard and talked to a lot of players that have been playing in Drakari pretty frequently. It's like the one thing I hear time and time again. Um, I heard it from Mark in, at the end of your finals game on, on Mike, where he said, you know, if I just kept playing my game plan, I think I could have won this. But instead, I, I tried to engage you, which was the, which was really, you know, not a smart idea. 
<laughs> like um, uh, James Kelling talked about it, and he played Drukari into Nick, and he lost that game where he killed four of Nick's Raiders turn one or whatever, and then lost afterwards. And it was because he chose to engage afterwards rather than staying back playing playing his own game. Um, and that just seems to be what I hear, not just from these two, but others, is like if you, like you said earlier, if you try to play Drukari's game, like you will just immediately lose this game. Like you can't. You have to play your own and keep playing your own, no matter yeah. like how intensely you want to to do something else. Um, like it, it's something I struggle with in my games often, right? Because I want to be aggressive, and then I look at the board. And I'm like, if I just stand here, I think I win this game, but I really want to kill that guy over there. And you just got to stop and say, no, don't, because all the bad things will happen as soon as I do that. So Yeah, and I think that some armies can try to play Drukari's game, but I think most can't. And yeah. if you try to with, like, if you try, you know, again, if you try with Custodes, you just can't. You cannot out-MSU Dark Elder with Custodes. That will never, ever work. 100 out of 100 games. Maybe Sisters can, you know, um, but there's a, a couple armies, you know, God help me, maybe Gene Sparkle can. Um, but then, you know, that kind of list would not work into anyone else. And it was trying to circle. Um, but, you know, most armies cannot do that. So you need to find something else. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is that Drukari have fundamentally shifted the game. And if you are just trying to pretend that they didn't, you're just waiting for the reality check to hit. It's like, at, at what point are you going to find out? You know, it, it, it's a waiting game. You know, there, there's no doubt in my mind that if you just take the same, you know, Blood Angel list that you brought, you know, two months ago, there's going to be a round of the, your next tournament where you find out that the, the game changed. It might not be round two, three, maybe it's round five, but uh, at some point you're going to get learned. Mm -hmm. All right. So like, let's talk a little bit about what sort of things come out of your list. Like what comes off the table because of the way Drakari plays. So from my, in my opinion, big expensive units cannot play into Drakari. So anything that has a huge price tag, like, uh, you know, even if it's extremely durable, like, you know, I was playing a 10-man unit of Terminators in Dark Dark Angels, right? Which is one of the most durable things that you can put on the table. And it just didn't matter because they either went around them um, or they killed them. I mean, it took them a couple, three turns, but, you know, I ran out of stuff before they did because by the time I put all the points in to all the support to make that 10-man unit durable, like, you know, they come in and kill all the support because you can't, they can get to it. You know, some stupid witch runs over and kills your apothecary, uh, you know, or whatever. Um, it's just, it's very difficult to, to play that game. So I think big units come out. I think vehicles often come out because that gives the raiders something to do. Like getting hit with those lances is awful on vehicles. You know, like your standard whatever, you know... I, Vehicles that can't hide, I guess, you know, not that vehicles were a big deal anyway because of the core rules and everything. But, um, you know, I think I think you need to make you, you need I think you need to make the Raiders as useless as possible. Like you can't let them do work, too, because then it's just a really it's even a worse disaster if they're actually getting value out of the protection for their guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys what do you think, John? What Where do you think? What do you think Drakari pushes out of lists? Um, I actually don't think that it has to push out expensive units. I think it's the ignorable expensive units, where if a unit is just there to perform, you know, X given task and not be stopped at it, if Drukari don't need to stop it, it's not going to be enough. Like, like the 10-man combat Terminator unit, definitely I think that that one's uh, days are numbered. But I actually don't hate all Terminators here, 
because one, they can combat squad, so it's not necessarily one expensive brick. Yep. Um, you know, two, they, they do get you decent points. And I think that, you know, um, also some big units are durable to the point of not just dying. Again, you know, Dark Elder don't always just kill Mortarian. Like, it's really just, uh, are the Dark Lances feeling hot or are they feeling low today? And, you know, which, which is going to be, I have absolutely no idea. You're, you are, uh, you're absolutely gambling if that's, uh, you know, your game plan here. But sometimes Dark Elder just straight up won't kill Mortarian, and oops, there's a Mortarian, or a Telamon, or a Knight. These kind of things all can exist. Um, uh, the, the thing that I have felt most strongly about is short-range shooting, I'm not willing to pay much for it anymore. So units like Eradicators and Plasma Scepters have just straight up disappeared for me. Um, you know, yeah, it's I, interesting. Interesting. In my Dark Angels list, I've taken the Talon Masters out because twenty-four inches out for their range just isn't good enough either. Um, they just die. Yeah, they definitely can just die, and you know what? When they do, it sucks. Uh, don't definitely don't have a strong counter argument to that. Um, I personally still like Talon Masters just because they have a certain amount of character protection that most things just don't get. But I, I do agree, like you know, on the general principle here, that's just stuff that you can't afford to have happen. You know, you can't exactly. afford to just lose your shooting units. Yeah, I, I really have nothing else to add. Like um, the Eradicators thing is something that had kind of already been ebbing as it was. We'd started to see people kind of try to slip three to six of them into lists, um, but they'd basically disappeared. Um, Bulty Melta attack bikes, which have been, done so much work, I think they're also in trouble because they don't survive. Um, they're fast. They might kill one thing, um, but at least into the Drakari matchup, that thing is... You know, almost half the cost of the three dudes you brought, even if you only brought three. Um, like there's it's it's the stuff that that you used to always feel would get value that just doesn't because this army runs around you so fast. And the fact that, you know, there's other armies that play a similar game like Harlequins, which you could often just not play against. And Drukari, because they're so good, they're going to get more popular. Like it is something you're probably going to have to play against unless, you know, you happen to be one of the lucky few in a in a meta that has never seen them or heard of them. Um, the ten man brick thing you said, John, is very interesting because you know Dark Angels came out. A lot of people thought they were very, very strong, possibly too strong. They didn't have as big a splash as as I think most people expected. Um, and like I think so far they are something like one and sixteen in Jukari. and that is mostly the the this like ten man uh, Terminator brick uh, method because the Jukari just don't care. They just fly around them, and it yeah. was always kind of the thing for Dark Angels. I think why they couldn't always they couldn't break that that ceiling was because there was, you know, a couple of the top armies that just did the same thing. They'd say, "Well, I'm never going to kill that ten man brick, but it, I don't need to. Um, I'm just going to play the rest of my game. I'll let you score your, you know, thirty points off of them, um, but I'm going to get the other seventy. Yeah, and the ignorable brick I think is gone. Um, I've personally kind of liked the uh, the ten man um, relic terminator unit. Because against Dark Elder, you can just combat squad and deep strike two different shooting units at that mm -hmm. point. And, yeah. you, and, and, and I don't invest in the, uh, you know, the minus one damage relic and all the supporting cast. It's still generically good. You know, Terminators that only get wounded on fours are still pretty decent into most of the meta. You know, yeah, no that... one really wants to take the time to deal with that. But I'm no longer making it such an integral part of my, my game plan that I now feel bad if it's uh, not getting used. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in episode two, right? We'll really go through every... 
faction and, and some ideas that we have for just just some some basic changes that you can make um, to your list. And a lot of it has to do with just finding smaller chunks of things you can trade with them with. You know, like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, things that you can initiate with uh, to sort of force them to play the game. One thing that I found in my testing is three man uh, bike squads in Dark Angels that are ob objective secured suddenly gives you a way to sort of fight back on that objective game. And it's only 90 points. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're you're not like giving anything away to go steal an objective from them or be annoying to them or force them to respect you know, the things that you can do. Um, so they can't just play this like hide and seek game where they just, you know, you can stay at equilibrium with them if you want to play hide and seek. And I've got a, you know, a secondaries like uh, stubborn defiance uh, or while we stand, we fight, which forces them to actually come play an honest game with you suddenly. Cause your, your secondaries are now forcing their, them to, con to participate in the game the way they way that you want to. Right. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> but I don't know. It's 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 a tough nut. It's a tough nut. Um, is that something, John, that that you think is? Do you think that some of the secondary missions will be more valuable now? You know, the less aggressive ones, I guess, uh, to play Andrew Drakari. Yes, um, it, it's a weird thing because I think that beating Drakari starts with forcing them to play the game with you, but also that's a very dangerous, you know tightrope to walk across because they might just play the game at you and beat you. Yeah. Like um I I saw a game where, you know, the Drakari player wanted this was at Dallas, where the Drakari player wanted to play conservative and it was Dawn of War and there wasn't much terrain. And so he deployed on the line and then he had to go first. And it's like, oops. <laughs> well you you made him deploy aggressive and look what just happened. You got tabled two turns. And you know that's that this was not my game. Uh but um it's like, man, like that, you know, that's a risk of what could happen if you force them to play the game. But if you don't, then they just missile one unit at you a turn and they've got 24 to choose from. So they're always going to have the right one for the job. And it's going to contest a primary here, you know, deny you this secondary there, get their secondary here. And suddenly they've gotten a clean 93 points and you're stuck trying to find out how to break 70. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's how every game I lost sort of went. Um... Yeah. yeah, and that's it's getting past that point either by having a good enough score that they can't adopt that or by doing enough damage that they have to engage you. How do you get past that point? But that generic game plan of I'm going to play MSU and try to out MSU you is that, that's just that's just like the check. Like you must be this tall to to play with Drukari. Yeah. Do you think that there's any aggressive strategies that you could adopt? Like maybe just build your army to like go all in and then hope you roll the dice to go first and, and just cripple them to the point where they are on their back foot? That's very unreliable in my opinion. It's not impossible to be clear. You know, I've written some lists with that in mind where I'm like, you know what, let me just build, you know, three Ultramarine and Victor War suits and let me just see what happens when I go first. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I go first, I, I have a fairly playable game in Trujukari, but also they have so much stuff that it you sometimes don't take away all of their momentum. And then it's like, well, what have you actually accomplished here? Yeah. And it's hard. It's no, very hard, and, honestly. No, I agree. And I mean, then you're putting on whether you go first or not, right? Which is a 50-50 proposition to begin with, yeah. which is never never a good place to start if your plan is, well, hopefully I go first. And then 50% of the time when I go first, I win. You're like, ah, that means that's like a 25% win rate. You <laughs> might have been, been able to squeeze out a little better by not adopting that plan, right? <laughs> so, exactly. 
So yeah. I trying to just alpha strike Drukari, you know, unless you're very familiar with, you know, the terrain layout locally or or what have you, I I don't really like that as a game plan. Um, I've tried it myself, and it hasn't worked nearly as well as I hoped. Yeah, those raiders are easier to hide than you would think because of the way obscuring terrain works, right? Yeah, the width of them is is weird. And also because yeah. they're so spindly. You know, like, a rhino is where a rhino is. A raider, you can always finagle it a little bit and wobble it a little bit, and suddenly, you know, two raiders are, like, almost on top of each other, but they're somehow still fitting. Yep. That's how I've always felt about it. You know, where like rhinos are bricks and you just, you, the bricks line up in a, in a row. And yeah. And, and raiders, because they're long and narrow, they always have this like weird where they're like kind of go in a line with the line of sight of the train so that they're, they're just out of like anything substantial to get to them. And there's like all these places on normal ninth edition boards where they can kind of hide them. And you're just like, I can't even kill a raider unless I way overexpose myself. Like this really sucks. So I don't know. I, I find it I find it interesting how you know easy it is to hide those. I wish they would go back to using venoms because at least venoms are way easier to kill. Uh, you know, you could do some things, but yeah. You know, unfortunately, the the dark elder players are not being accommodating to the rest of us. <laughs> I know they're just not. What's the? Do you guys ever watch the Princess Bride? They're yes. always my favorite yeah. movie of all time. Yeah. Our way is not very sporting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. But, uh, you know, until we make them change, they're not going to change it. Um, so, I mean, you know, the question is always like, I guess, what are you going to do about it? Um, which is, of course, something that we're going to talk a lot about in part two of this episode. Shameless plug. Yeah, I'm actually excited about that because I, I have some ideas that I want to run by you. Uh, John and Peter, just to see what you guys think. Um, because in my testing, I actually got my Dark Angel matchup to like where I felt like I could play a game, which to me mm-hmm. is all I wanted because the first few games that I played with them, I didn't feel like I was like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> like apparently I'm apparently I'm just supposed to roll over and die or or hide and get obliterated on scenario. Like these are my option one and option two. So uh, I don't know. But um Yeah. I mean I at the Dallas Open, you know, honestly I kind of went in with a, an opinion on what Drew Carvey is going to be like. And obviously, you know, I, I did win the event, so it, I wasn't exactly far off. But also, some of the games that were actually very challenging were not the ones that I expected to be the challenging ones. Like, the most nail-biting game that I had over the weekend was actually against Death Guard Terminators. And frankly, that was a matchup that I literally just kind of thought was an auto-win, even though I hadn't actually played it going in. It was like, yeah, they're slow. It's like Dark Angel Terminators, but, like, worse. And it usually it, Death Guard are Dark Angel Terminators worse, but into Dark Angels, they weren't. They actually were able to survive where Dark Angels couldn't. And there were some unexpected off-meta things that actually were hard, like Armagers. Again, I wasn't really thinking about Armagers until I lost four Raiders turn one. Interesting. So do you think that will inform like some of the things that we can use to build some tech into lists in episode two? Uh, maybe we can leverage some of that knowledge that you got from the things that we're good against you. John, you're such a good sport. You're going to help us beat you. I like that. I, there's nothing I want more. Absolutely nothing. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess my perspective on it is that um, I think that you just kind of have to accept that we are changing. Um, and the off-meta stuff is actually is going to be what works best. I mean, we'll, I think we're going to dive into a lot of the details, of course. But, um, you know, the, off-meta is going to be the future one way or another. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. The other thing that Drukari are very good at is not only are they good at really 
messing with your primary score, but they mess with secondaries really well too. Like banners is a really risky proposition against Drakari. Like you can just get shut out on banners hard. Um, you know, it's not it's not too bad to get scramblers, but even scramblers can be a little bit of a risky proposition um, because they have so much stuff. And if they play a passive game, they can just zone you out of the back of their board, and it can be hard to get over there, right? Where you can't deep strike anything over there. So, um, like, you really have to think about your secondaries. You have to have a good secondary plan for Drakari. Do you have any tips around that, John, that you found it? things that maybe people wouldn't have expected work well against Drakari that did? Um, I think that um, I think that having the default secondaries that you always take is not going to be as reliable into Drakari. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to what mission you get them in, but also, um, you know, like things like Thin the Ranks are so much better than while we stand we fight into Drakari. And almost every Drakari list I've seen gives up Thin the Ranks to a, a pretty reasonable degree. Yeah. Um, and I think building your secondary game plan around what you have to be doing anyway, again, taking thin the ranks literally almost all the time, is a much safer bet than hoping that they let you get your banners or your scramblers. Like, if you're going to have to go on their side of the board to contest their objectives, take engage in all fronts. Because, frankly, if you're not getting to their side of the board at all, they're just getting a 45 on primary and torpedoing you. You've already lost. I, I think I'd rather take those riskier strategies because and that is riskier than try to go with my safe, tried and true secondaries and hope that Dukari doesn't stop me. Because they are. I mean, right now Dukari are averaging, you know, seven more primary points. Or sorry, seven more points of uh, victory points in total um, than any other army in the game, and their, their opponents are averaging five, uh, three less than like even the best uh, like custodies and such that can deny. Um, mm. You're averaging 58 points against a Drukhari player, and when your average game win requires like a, a 75 or 76, like that's a huge hurdle. So yeah, you really need to to completely change your your game plan coming into these guys. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the biggest thing is get the practice and, and be be willing to change your game plan going in. Because if you're oh, not yeah. willing to, you're going to fall behind. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Get a lot of reps into Jakari because you, you'll start to realize some things aren't as scary as you think they are and some things you really have to respect. Um, you know, like for example, the racks are a pain in the butt, but they're not as scary actually to me as the Incubi are. The Incubi always do way more damage. And I find their characters are the things that put them over the top a lot of times in engagements. Um, they just do way too much damage. Yeah, uh, you're you're absolutely not wrong. Um, you know, and, and understanding, you know, like, fires are a big boogeyman for a reason, but they're for most armies, they don't just end the game. They're just very frustrating to deal with, and you're, they're going to take a little bit of their pound of flesh, but it's somewhat survivable. Not great, but somewhat. It's the thing that's the most visible. Uh, um, yeah. That's like that's absurd, right? Like um, incubi are amazing, and they and they will do work always. Um, but you often don't think about it because you're like, oh, they have to get an engagement. I can do this and this to try and avoid that. With racks, you know, the first time someone fire and fades their raider to get closer to you when you thought you were out of range, and then they're like, okay, well now my racks are going to fire, and they pick up whatever five or six vanguard vets, and you say, oh. Well, how many points was that? And you're like, I don't know, 15. And that that makes you feel sad. That's when the sadness comes in, right? Because that's the blatant, yeah. the blatant thing. Whether or not, like over the course of the entire game, it made that big of a deal. Um, yeah. I just found that you just sort of have to accept that you're gonna get hit by those those flamers. 
and then you have to kill them when they engage them. And you you try to make them bring them way far forward in order mm-hmm. to do that yeah. to get use out of them, so that they're they're trading like you. There's no question that you're going to kill them because it's an absolute disaster if you don't kill the raider with if you let them shoot those stupid mm-hmm. uh, flamers and you don't kill them in return. I think you pretty much lost the game. I don't know. I actually have a complete opposite take on this. Yeah. So I'd like to hear it. one of the things that I was very relieved by was when someone with indirect fire um, or with, you know, line, direct line of sight fire that was outranging me took my, my rack raider down to bottom tier. And then the next gun went there and killed it because you can't get out of a boat and into another boat on the same turn unless you spend the two CP for fire and fade, but that's only on one unit, which there's two units in each rack raider. So what ended up happening was if you if you take the, the rack raider and you get it down to one or two wounds, like you shoot some damage to indirect that a couple armies have this, and it now moves six inches instead of 14, it's now probably not getting in range of what I want to get in range of. If you kill the boat, those racks are going to disembark behind a wall out of line of sight and then get into one of the other five boats, whichever one is at full tier, and zoom into battle and get their shots off. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I actually found that the worst thing that happened to the Rack Raider was when someone degraded it and then started shooting a different Raider, and suddenly the Racks couldn't be used at all this turn, and there was another Raider that was slower. That was annoying. So that's something to think about. If it's not, you know, if it's already on top of you, you need to get them out, sure. But if you're, you know, shooting your Plague Risk Crawlers at a, a Rack Raider, because, you know what, why not kill the Rack Raider, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's behind a wall. Honestly, if you degrade it, and it's like bottom tier, start shooting a different one. Call it a day. All right. Well, I think that's a that's a good spot for us to sort of leave leave off on, because I think we're ready to start talking about how we beat these little pointy-eared SOBs. <laughs> <laughs> these bum I'm faces. I'm ready to talk about it, too. Yeah. All right. So, uh, obviously, if you're a patron of The Art of War, we'll see you guys over for episode two, where we're going to break down um, some individual advice for different factions on how to uh, combat Drakari. We're going to go through you know, secondary choices, some list adjustments, and some like sort of how to think about the game. Because you have to have a very specific game plan against Drakari uh, in order to be competitive with them. And then, you know, obviously get a lot of reps. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to point out before we move over to episode two? No, I'm uh, just about good. Uh, Peter, any anything you want to plug? No, I'm good. Let's get this show on the road. All right. Dearest patrons, we'll see you at episode two. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. No, you're gonna you're gonna become a patron and listen to episode two. I'm not wasting my time. Get over there. Give them that five bucks. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under, where we break down armies and new rules. The Art of War 40K.com. This episode was brought to you by the Competitive 40K Network. 